Welcome back to the Social Distance Podcast, guys and girls. You're watching on YouTube. You'll only see me and Jonesy's mug on the front here, but George was here. He left about 10 minutes ago. He's at a race in Italy. But we had uh, the pleasure of having all three of us together again. We talked about a lot of things, actually. We talked about February as a cyclist. Is it the worst month to be a cyclist? I think the answer is pretty clear after speaking to George. We oh, compared yeah. the days away from home as cyclists compared to other professional sports. Is it more? Is it less? Are we better off? Are we worse off? Uh, and we talk about it at the end of the show. We talk about whether or not we'll change the name of the show. Yes. Possibly. Personally signed jersey from George, because we offered that up when he wasn't here. Uh, whoever comes up with a new name, and we'll throw in some other goodies as well. Mm. It's all happening. Yeah, it's all go. It's a great show, actually. It was nice to be back. Like, share, subscribe. Let's, let's just run the intro and wing it like we always do and see what comes out of it. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Mm. Front kick. Just getting pulled in the chat. My radar's going pretty hard at the moment, I think. Will you shut up, man? That escalated quickly. We're going to need to get some more qualified guests on the show, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Let's start by addressing the elephant in the room. Everybody wants to hear about it. All of our listeners want to hear about it. Look at the shirt I got on. Look what's New Zealand. What a historic test match victory. Well done, mate. It was unbelievable. One run. One run. After the follow-on, I wanted to start and watch it last night, but I got back from UAE. I, I got back from UAE at a good time, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but we had that filthy red-eye flight from Abu Dhabi to Milan at like 3 in the morning. Why do they do that? That's the worst possible idea. Because all that happens is you're absolutely rooted from the race, and they're like, 3 a.m., you can't go to sleep, you can't wake up. You know, what are you meant to do? So either way, you have it all night. You just have to pull an all-nighter. But all, all the flights from Abu Dhabi are at like that time. Like when we were at the airport, I was looking at the screen and there's like everything going to Europe, to Milan, England, Spain, Belgium. It's all like three, four in the morning. Yes, yeah, it's all European countries. Connecting airport, eh? But do you anyway, think it's because, um, yeah, do you think that's because of like um, they don't want the city busy in the day? I don't know. Maybe it just lines up with. Oh, Abu Dhabi is a connector. It's a connector with Europe. Is my so they mic can't not working? Tap the mic. What do you mean? Oh, it's working. Yep. Yeah, You're just sitting up. too far away. No, but like when, when you're picking flights to Europe, like Abu Dhabi is a connector for Asia, Europe going in, then coming through. That's why you get the shit times. Hmm. It's a connector, yeah. George. That doesn't make like any, that doesn't make any logic. From Australia, it's a connector. Everywhere's a connector. Yeah, but they, they're timing the flights better when you're leaving Europe or when you're oh, leaving right, well, yeah. Asia, yeah, 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 yeah. Australia, New Zealand. They're, looking, they're actually looking after the Kiwis when you think about it. Yeah. Well, they're not looking after the cyclists in them home at 3 a.m. Not no. looking after the Kiwis that are already in Abu Dhabi. So how are you travelling, George? You look like something out of Cliffhanger. You look like an Eskimo. What's wrong with Europe at the moment? Why is there... I, I left New Zealand on the back of a cyclone. Have we talked since my cyclone story? Nah. Nah? Yeah, nah. nah. Oh, okay. What happened? So, well, we were in... I was in New Zealand, minding my own business, having a good old time. And then uh, just before I left, I got a phone call from the team saying, like, hey, mate, we need you to race in Europe on Wednesday. And I'm going, well... My nationals is Sunday. 
and the closest my current flight lands in Europe on Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe we can try and move it. So I did the nationals, crossed the finish line. Luckily, fortunately, I got my absolute head turned and didn't win, which was great relief. Because then I just went straight to the car, packed the bike, boosted it to Auckland. Of course, as the cycling was coming, and I was like, got to Auckland, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I think that might have been this one, just a classic windy day. Get into the airport. And then I just hear this like crazy whining noise. I'm like, man, someone's dragging a suitcase around. What's going on here? And I look outside, I realize like, oh shit, now this is a fucking big dog cyclone coming. Our plane got away. Um, for, like, in the end, you know, planes are pretty irrelevant when you see the damage that thing done. But um, yeah, got to got to Europe on a on a Monday night. Had Tuesday. To unpack my bag <laughs> Wednesday did a five day stage race. So I'm a bit in um I'm a bit in sort of weather shock. It's been um it's been a bit of a shit show. I mean that this show is always a shit show, but it's been even more of a shit show trying to get this to together because you're you you're like on the road now pretty much until August, aren't you? Like you're yeah. trying August, to line up a show. <laughs> so you you left New Zealand, you left Girona. Have you been to Girona yet? So you haven't been to Jerome yet. So you left New Zealand on the twenty something of No, no I left February. New Zealand on the eighth of February or something. When and I'll get back. August. So so we'll do we'll bang this show out and then what the next show will be second of August or something? Something like that. Should keep the listeners engaged, eh? Just after we'll do a tour <laughs> recap. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Hey, did Kenny come out and help you at the New Zealand Nationals? No, I didn't see him. I saw Sue. What happened to Kenny? I thought we'd lined him up on the show, Bills. I spoke to him on the phone. I said, did you go to watch the Nationals? Nah. Thought about it. <laughs> we were talking it up like, yeah, no, nah, call Kenny. He'll be there in a flash. <laughs> Donuts. Like, oh, I thought about it, but I couldn't be fucked. Still remember <laughs> the time when, I still remember the time when uh, I was young and we were talking about, I was mountain biking and I wanted to get in the road team. I was like, ah, don't worry, mate, I'll sort it out for you. A couple of weeks later, the road teams were announced, 46 riders in the New Zealand junior road team among across like four different disciplines. 46. I didn't get a sixth start in any of them. <laughs> uh, See, so where, off, where are off. you now? LaGualia. Are you doing LaGualia now? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in LaGualia. So I just did these horrific, um, these horrific French races that could have been really nice races, but the cyclone has followed me to, to Europe. So yesterday we were sitting on the bus. Oh no, it was Sunday. We were sitting on the bus doing the team meeting, and they bring up the um, we got Veloview now and all these, you know, all the and the you guys use this app Windy. It's unreal. Yeah. My favourite app. Just love checking out horrific weather storms. And um, one of the readings came up, and it was like 99 k an hour wind directly from the side, and I was like, oh, that's a mistake. So we start looking at other apps, all these apps like corroborating this evidence that we're going to have 100k an hour crosswinds. So we put a message, like I joined the Telegram group of the CPA and all this stuff to work out like, we're actually going to race our bikes in this. And quite a few teams were like, oh, this is, this is going to be really fucking dangerous, you know, 99k an hour crosswind. Um, so I text another team who hadn't said anything in the group, like, oh, you guys, you guys 
keen to race this and like yeah mate no nah, no worries it's, it looks looks all right looks like the wind's clearing up it should be no problems <laughs> anyway so we start the race it's fucking nuts like crazy wind and it's only getting stronger and it was like two big laps and then you do like a third small lap so after the first big lap everyone was like oh this is on the limit and they sort of we came to the start finish line and just after the start finish line was full gas down to a city crosswinds and then all the like a lot of teams were like right let's shut it down eh? this is crazy so they all get to the front we go to the first finish line and some guys start unclipping we all start slowing down like okay we're gonna looks like we're about to abandon the race or at least have some kind of meeting about maybe we go to the other circuit where it should be more sheltered or something as they start slowing down one team just lights it up full gas through the town <laughs> puts everybody in the gutter and blows blows the group to bits so there was like guys like clipping thinking we we're riding for the buses another team just going full biscuit trying to smash the race in half and uh as you can imagine you know with like cyclists like everyone wants to do like a everyone wants to we're all for having a voice and all for being united and making a change and all that until there's a fucking number on your back and uh, an opportunity to get a couple of uci points so it was just like it just for me proved how far far away we are as a rider group from ever having consensus when you got some guys going like oh we don't we don't care if we dnf you know we've we've won heaps of races this year we don't need to we don't need to win races we can we'll just start and see what happens and other teams going like oh i actually don't really care about points i just want to see my kids so let's maybe not race in 100k an hour wins so yeah, we ended up doing the full race, and I saw some guys get, like, genuinely just yeeted off the road. Like, we were going down this one downhill, came down this one downhill, I was behind a bunch of guys, hit this crosswind, and they just fucking disappeared. Like, they're just gone, blown, straight across the road, off into the gutter, into the paddock. Right. Do they have a wind rule in cycling? Like, you know, in cricket, no, no, in cycling, they've got, like, a heat rule, like a tour down under gets the... Oh, it's 45. very fast, isn't it? Mm. Because I, I think, think they meant to say 40k an hour wind. The, the, yeah, well, that was fucking 98, like and they've gone, yeah, we'll be right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have, um, it's a crosswind. It's not a headwind. <laughs> they have yeah. the weather protocol, which, like, yeah, stops, like, is, like, certain, if it's too hot. I mean, it's, it is very vague, like George says. Like, I think there are some specific numbers in there, like, if it's above whatever degrees Celsius. But ultimately, it's just a, like, if it's too hot, we won't race. If it's too, if it's snowing or too cold, we won't race. But in all my time racing, the only thing that ever stopped the race was wind. Like, no one, no race ever stopped because of heat or snow. Um, but, like, wind does, wind is a factor eh, that stops races sometimes, but normally it comes Not from... Not really. Like, it doesn't get worse than that. Nah. It doesn't get worse than a 100k an hour crosswind. I mean, that was a gust. Let's be, okay, it was a gust. It wasn't the whole time. Yeah. So like you know, pull your head in. Fucking. <laughs> what I love is like what I love about it is like is a scene as like oh that's like you know like the older generation will be like oh, come on like we used to race in that yeah did mm. you yeah like like yeah mm. you know yeah what a shit time what a shit time to race then so yeah exactly you. yeah <laughs> like, fucking sucks for you like yeah. the, and, and 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 like at what cost did you race in it you know so. Mm. I hate this whole thing of like, oh, I hate the narrative that like, oh, cycling's changing. Like these guys don't want to race in the wind. It's not like I don't want to race in the wind. Like, you know, I'm actually, I'm better off in the wind than a lot of guys. You know, I'm 
but surprisingly, but it's not if I want to do it or if I don't want to do it. It's it's a question of safety. It's like, mm. do I want to be a cyclist for a long time? Yes. I don't want to be fucking paralyzed. Uh, you know? I've, got, I've got two points I want to raise here. Number one, if you had to rank the shittest months of the year, would Feb be in your top three? And two, when you're dealing with a cycling team, it's very different when you're dealing with riders outside of the Europe bubble. When you're dealing with Kiwis or Aussies or whatever, if you fuck with their schedule, if you throw in a curly because of the travel, that totally rewires your fucking head in the shittest month of the year. So you've got the double banger. You race in the shittest month, which is Feb, and you weren't planned on... You, you would have been mentally going, oh, yeah, I'll do the Nationals, go home, fucking get yeah. a bit of a time to wind into it. Double banger. I think February's horrific because mm. you, you come out of summer, you come into winter, so you're in shock. Mm. Hence why I'm wearing an Eskimo jersey. And then you also have like a lot, there's a lot going on in February because you've like, you've just left your home, your family, your, you know, all this stuff. And then you're like, right, fuck, this is actually, and you've, you've been doing this a whole, like, you get this false idea of cycling, like cruising around Tour Down Under in 30 degrees you know, 120 riders is a bunch, big roads. And then you suddenly go to, like, Ruta and you realise, like, holy shit. You know, 200k of lanes, gravelly roads, up, down, cobble finishes, and you're just like, fuck, this is actually what it's like. I forgot about this. And then, you know, you, as I said, all this stuff going on, you're a little bit home... You're not home, are you homesick? Something like that. <laughs> I, I think February's you... the worst month. Yeah, February can get in the fucking bin. February can get in the bin. Are you Thank still God it's running the shortest that, month. You're <laughs> still running that man, mantra of having heaps of spot fires before you leave so you don't get homesick or if you matured? No, I had a good blue just before we left. On the way to the airport, stressful time. <laughs> Flight's cancelled. <laughs> Great. Oh, it's not all bad in Feb then. No. <laughs> Don't pay for it ever since though. Yeah. Uh, and my, my other question is for Sam... I've actually done a bit of like two minute prep here. Compare starting a career as a bike rider compared to a DS. Is the honeymoon period over now, and is it becoming a grind as a sports director? What What did you enjoy more, starting out as a bike rider or starting out as a DS? Starting out as a DS, because it's because I didn't have to do the ninety k an hour wins for starters. I wasn't at that race anyway, but I, I. I haven't seen Europe yet as a sports director. It's a dream. Like, I've just done a holiday program. Not really a holiday. It's, I call it a holiday program because it's overseas. It's like a, everybody, everybody in cycling calls the overseas races a holiday program. Um, so I started in Down Under. I got three weeks in Australia, sweet race, good place to start. Uh, and then I just did UAE tour. So I haven't actually done a race in Europe yet. My first race in Europe as a DS will be in March in three weeks' time. So... So far, I definitely say that um, starting as a sports director because I haven't had to go training in the shit weather. I just work on my computer, do podcasts. It's good. Oh, perfect. Yeah. My question to you, Jonesy, is how on earth did you do any prep for the show? Even though it's only three questions, how did you pull that off? Mate, I'll just read it. Scout shot. Yeah, sure. Years oh, well, of experience. Guys. Um, all right, that's a wrap. Yep, we've got all the insights you need on the show today. Uh, Kiwis won after the follow-on. George is having a shit one. So how many more days have you got left of this race, GB? Or is it cranking? Uh, about 
this trip, uh, I think it's about 70. <laughs> so you got a 70 race day block that's going to expire in August. <laughs> Do you have to literally set little like holidays or things to mentally focus on outside of bike racing? Yeah, we tried to. They, they always go like as a professional sportsman, they go, no, it's important to have a balance. You know, you got to have shit outside of cycling to keep your focus. But like in this block, what the fuck? I don't else really subscribe. Yeah, I, I almost feel like you just got to lean into it and go right. I'm just going to exist as like a. I'm just going to exist for this for this period, and then I'm going to turn it off. So I'm just going to because, like, yeah, it's all well and good having stuff outside of cycling, but like, you're sitting in a like a grim hotel room and freezing cold in a in a holiday tea town that's deserted for winter you know, it's not like oh cool i'm just gonna go and you know do my other interests i'm not gonna i'm just gonna go and play some crickets with the wonky boys that are in the same hotel it doesn't work like that it's like you just gotta lean into it and then i mean because if you go oh i'm gonna have other interests what you're pretty limited i mean you become like online gambler um you become you know yeah you can learn another language, you can do whatever, but a lot of that takes a lot of mental energy. Most of the time you just fucked and you're just like Do you know what makes me you... think of? This conversation's actually made me think of other professional sports leagues. So let's use um football as an example, like say English Premier League, let's use NBA and let's use baseball as an example. Like they actually play way more than what we race. Yeah. Is anyone, are you guys there? Or is it my, take me off big screen. I feel alone. I feel isolated. Uh, no, I was just uh, muting George's ambience in between oh. when he wasn't talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get good hotels. They get private jets. And there's different professional sports that you play. Like I've started watching the um, Netflix. You know how there's this obsession now with producers of Drive to Survive. And they think, oh, you fuck, st- we can use that you format st- for everything. You sound like some, <laughs> but, like some like 80-year-old who's never heard of Netflix. I've started watching the Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'm interested in that shit. That's obviously my bread and butter. But there's this obsession now with Netflix and Drive to Survive changed the sport because it gives you an insight into what we've never seen before. But what I don't realize is Formula One's different. It's fucking high stakes, high money. You make a mistake in that, you could fucking die. There's like owners, there's drivers, even the drivers on the team fucking hate each other. There's, it's all working for it. They tried to adopt the same thing with tennis. So I'm starting to go, fuck yeah, get an insight to tennis, what that sport's like. Boring as batshit. Mm. Like boring. Because the individual sport, like you got Kyrgios and he's got like no coach. It's got a missus and they try to drum up some big scandal and they're going, you won't believe the text photo that he sent his girlfriend. I'm thinking, oh no, he sent a dick pic after a game or something. All it was was a urine sample, like a photo of his urine sample. Fucking who cares? And that was it. And after I was like, fuck, I'm not watching that again. Then I watched golf and I'm going, now that's a fucking sport. You guys fucked up. Cycling's not bad, but if you're going to be good at any sport professionally on an international level golf's the one because you can fucking play your rounds they go to the private jets you got live golf now so you can take heaps of cash from saudi arabia and then you can play like the veterans league you know mm. and they're still making millions and let's be honest they're not 
sweating their asses off. They're not getting into that hurt box. It's just getting the swing right. And now that you're on track to becoming a professional golfer, Bules, you know what it's all about. It's just mm. technique and repetition. And that's those sport sports you have played at. Those sports they travel with, like they, they cover their own cost for travel and stuff. But they fly, like they take their families with them, eh? A lot of times as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that, that's, I don't know if that's a plus for me. No. Like, imagine, imagine every race you're going to, like, when you're at your worst as a human. That's when, that's when you're operating at your worst level as, like, a, as a bloke. And you've just got your wife and family and kids, and you're trying to be, like, the nice dad. And you're just also trying to fucking get G'd up to race 200k mm. and 100k an hour crosswinds. I just feel like it's, it's not a good, it's not a, it's kind of like stay out of that realm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You you know me as this person because I exist in this realm, but my bipolar kicks in massively, and my other personality comes out at a race. Do I want them to see that side of it? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I don't want to see it. And the the point the point I'm making though is that okay, we do let's say as a was a bike rider you do let's say seventy five race days, probably a pretty fair average across the peloton, and then. You have travel days either side of that. So let's say you're away for 100 days a year from home. Is I think that's still less than other professional sports. Is it not? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like they're... Bu- I think the difference is, though, like, they might set up, like, a bubble where they have, like, a base and they go into there for... You know, they might go into a, into a town, into, like, a hotel, and that's their base. They set up, like... You know, they set up like a coffee room. They set up, they become like this. It's almost like a, a camp. It's still a home. It's not just like gypsy in the bus, get to the next one, race, right? Where are we? Like, we, you asked before, where am I? I, I genuinely couldn't tell you the name of this town I'm in. No idea. Mm. And I think the big difference is, though, even though your bipolar would affect it for you, I think the big difference is that they do have the families with them a lot of the time not all the time but like let's say a cricket team for example england go to new zealand for two months like at a certain point the families are there as well so maybe that's the difference i don't know but you well, see there's what I'm a famous from. story yeah there's a famous story of 1989 when australia went over to play the ashes and alan border said nah fuck this no partners no wives nothing shut it down Rooster. and they yeah they they won the first three tests and so then he was like, oh, it's legend. Like, that was the problem. The partners were coming on the trip. And then he got into shit for it, and then it's evolved since then. But maybe um, just, was he just actually wanting to play up, was he? I think so. Nothing to do with his wife. His wife wasn't <laughs> affecting his off drive. I think his wife was just. <laughs> One thing also about cycling, like, when you're home, when you're home, you're home. So, like, again, comparing to other sports, I'll go back to even NBA or English Premier League football. When you're home, you stay at your house every night, but you, you're at the office essentially every morning. So like if you play for Man City, you wake up in the morning at 7 o'clock and then you get in your car and you drive to the, to the ground. You're there at 8.30. You have breakfast there and you stay there until 6 o'clock at night. You know, you do your massage, you do your training, then you do your gym session, then you have lunch with everyone, then you play some table tennis, then you do some watching videos of the team you're playing against next. You spend all day there. But like for a cyclist, when you're home, you are at home. Like you go training, then you come home. You do everything at home. 
So like, it's an interesting, I'm just sort of like processing things That's in my true. head as I'm speaking, but like, I'm trying to figure out across this course of 365 days, how many hours, are, what's 24 divided by times 365, quick maths, I don't know, a lot. How many of those hours do we have at home compared to other professional sports? Well, the other thing is everyone talks about the cycling bubble, right? George, we asked before, where are you? I fucking don't know. There's not many professions where you travel so much. When people ask you, where, where did you travel throughout a year? Like even when you're riding a race, it's hard to log in your head. I'm actually in a different country and where you're going. It's weird. Like every other sport, you know which ground you play at or you know which racetrack you drive around, you know which golf course. Cycling, you travel to all these amazing locations, but when you add it all up, you go, fuck, I know I've been to that country, but bugger if I know. I remember one year at the tour, I thought I was in the top left of France. I was in the bottom right. <laughs> like, I was fucking way off. I was like 900 Ks off. Like, I had no idea. Like, literally yeah. no idea. Yeah, it's strange, eh? Yeah, it, it, is a, it is a very fast-paced life. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. What's happened to George? Oh, he's fucking shut it down. I think he's going to shit gonna happen. himself, is it? Yeah. But it, it's... No, yeah, there, George? Right. Yeah. yeah but it, it's, in, it's interesting living this life from the other side now, like still part of the exact same bubble, still doing the exactly the same thing, traveling to bike races, being part of bike racing, but never, ever having to be on a bike. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bizarre way of, of seeing it because it, it is a more... It's the same amount of hours away, same amount of days away from home, but it's a very different level of intensity. Like you are, you are more busy. I remember at Tour Down Under, my mum came to do it at Tour Down Under and she said, oh, am I, she asked if I was more busy now as a sports director or, or did I have more free time as a sports director or more free time as a bike rider? I had way more free time as a bike rider. Like as a sports director, you're, you're up two hours earlier than what the bike riders are and you go to bed two hours later. Than, well, maybe you don't go to bed later, but you work up until you go to bed. So like, you know, it's, it's full-on days. There's never a moment where you're just like, oh, I've got nothing to do. I might watch some Instagram videos. Like, there's none of that. Like, I didn't even watch, like, see the news for 10 days when I was at UAE. I was like, what the fuck's going on in the world? Because um, you're, you're, you're very, very busy. But it's, at a, it's a way different pressure and a way different intensity because you, you're like, your only deadline in some ways is the, is the start gun. So you, you're preparing mm. for a race. But you're... I mean, and I don't like to operate this way. I like to be prepared a little bit further in advance. So I do have some time to go, okay, I'm, I'm prepared. Like by eight o'clock at night before the next stage, I'm like, okay, I know what's happening tomorrow. I've done the strategy. I've prepared the bottle points. I've prepared the, the logistical side of things. And this is speaking from down under's point of view because I, where I was the only guy there in some ways. But like you, your only deadline really is the, is the finish line. So you of the start line. So you, it, it's a different kind of intensity and the bike rider only has to worry about racing and they don't have to worry about all the other logistics and stuff, but you're still, your mind never stops because you're on the bed and you're like, Oh, okay. Fuck. Tomorrow's a big day. You know, I've got to perform tomorrow. And there's like always this like kind of this different sort of pressure. It's like, a, it's an interesting, getting, developing an interesting viewpoint of cycling in the last six weeks. Speaking of interesting viewpoints, did you see? Um, did you see Brunel came out and criticised? Um, like, well, not criticised. We said like, oh, when, when we're because like Jumbo's won heaps, and then we won heaps. I think we won four out of five stages in in Ruta, the first races in Europe. And um, 
the one of the things Brunel came out and said, he said, oh, it's actually a really bad tactic to win that many races. And that just made me think, like, this is the only sport in the world that can be considered a bad tactic, can be considered bad to win too many races. Mm. I, know, I, I see where it's coming from. I actually had this conversation with someone in UAE um, who, you know, who's, who's been involved in the sport for, for 30 plus years. So he's sort of seen the evolution of, of, of cycling, you know, how it, the traditions of it, how things were done 30 years ago compared to how things are done now. And we were talking about when Pogacar won the second to last stage of Ruta. And he, was, he beat Enric Mass. He was at the finish with Matt with Henrik Mast. The next day was a hard GC day, defending the jersey. You know that was the day you, you couldn't lose the jersey because that was the end of the tour. And Pogacar won the stage in front of Henrik Mast, and he brought up this interesting point, saying, "Why did Pogacar win that stage? Why didn't he let Henrik Mast win that stage?" And then everybody's happy. Movistar's won at home. They've won in their own country. And then tomorrow, when it's all shit's going down, they've gone of got in some ways not for lack of a better word an ally where Movistar's See, gone like, I think whoever that you had this conversation with is insane that's an mm. insane point of view why should he why shouldn't everyone that said of course he should have won that said you should all we do is try and work everything we do wake up in the morning if it's a race day or a training day or whatever everything you do is geared at trying to win a bike race you get to the end of a bike crash with a guy you can beat you fucking beat him yeah like because it's not like in the come Tour de France, Enric's going to go, oh, yeah, but Tade gave me that um, that stage in Ruta in February, so I'm not going to, even though we put it in the gutter and put him off and second, split him into the second group, I'm going to sit up now and wait for him to say thanks for that. It doesn't work like that. Folks have got short memories. You can be best mates with somebody one race, flip them the next race, you hate them, and then make up the next race and they, they're fine. Like, win while you can win. No. Yeah, I, th- I think his I think his idea was more short term. It was more about just the following day, where it was oh, like, yeah. you know, like give something small to take something bigger. So you you like ultimately like. But we didn't times, need to. No, you, you know didn't need I mean? to. But like, I think his point of his point was, it's okay to give a little bit, but you've always got to. It's give and take in cycling, so you should always give, but you should always take more than you give. So it's still like yeah. it's still a weird. Okay, but well, that like, stage like you're talking mentality. about... Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because that stage you're Fuck talking it. about is I pulled for so long to get that guy back. We had to ride back a group of 20 in the crosswinds. We caught them, and then Rufford crashed, so he was in a bad way. And it was basically me and Tim Wellens... Oh, the other boys pulled all day. And then in the final, it was me and Tim swapping off as hard as we could into the last sort of 15K to try and to try and uh, bring back the breakaway, bring back Sirkov, who'd been out there doing this crazy ride, and we were on full gas. We'd absolutely put ourselves on the limit. And then if I got to the bus, and he would have been like, oh, yeah, I could have beaten him, but I didn't. I would have been like, well, why the fuck did we just chase for five hours? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you, George, as well, but I, it, was just an, it was an interesting point, you know? It was just an interesting... Yeah, yeah. But it feels like all the old school ways of racing and the old traditions, they've gone now. Like, how does it go now when you need a piss? Like, it's not even the old tradition where the leader's jersey, we've got to wait till he takes a piss. Nah, man, it's fucking game on. Like, it's all changed. I've never been one for, like, tradition 
I heard someone say something once, like, about, like, tradition, and it's like, yeah, it's just peer pressure from dead people. And it's like, <laughs> it's kind of right, you know? Like, we're just doing it because they fucking did it. But they were stupid. We did a lot of things back in the day that were stupid. And that's that's evolution. The world evolves. It gets Generally, things get better. Generally, the world moves towards a better spot. And, of course, there's fucking peaks and troughs and things. But essentially, everything gets better. If you look at, like, the general state of the world now, sure, we've got our problems. But compared to what the problems were... 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, life is fucking amazing right now. And I feel like that's the same with sports. So people look back at sports and uh, they look back at sports through the rose tinted glasses and go, yeah, but back in the day they were doing this, back in the day. Yeah, back in the day they were on fucking gear as well, you know? What's the point? Like, the sport evolves. Yeah, it does. And you, you create new traditions and traditions stay around for a shorter period of time than what they used to as well. Like, the, I got this one piece of advice I got given at UAE. It's actually a really good piece of advice from our from the uh, number one sports director there for our team. So we had two two sports directors at UAE to it, and you call them DS one, DS two, basically, and they have different roles. Essentially, DS one is the, the the guy leading the way, who's preparing the race, the strategy, um, you know, calling the shots on the radio, all that stuff. And then DS two is who, I, which I was doing there, is. Um, driving the second car, you know, contributing to the race strategy, dealing a lot with the staff logistics, all those sorts of different things. But he gave me this one piece of advice because the, the last two stages I went with him in the first car and I and I drove the first car while he was on the radio, which was really, you know, the, which was the first time I'd actually driven in the convoy. So it was really cool to do it there and, 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 and learn. And I was making mistakes, you know, like it's in some ways it's very simple what you're doing in the car back there, but in a lot of ways there's a lot of intricacies. Like if you know, when you're, when you're feeding the guys, where you go in the convoy, how you pass other cars, how you go to the right, how you go to the left, all these sorts of things. And he said to me, this piece of advice was really good. He goes, one thing you need to do when you know, what did he, how, what did he say? He said, make your mistakes quickly in life because like you're always going to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes in all parts of life. Do them fucking quickly, get them out of the way, you know? So yeah, it's like the band-aid was, approach, like rip it. Yeah. Yeah. Make your mistakes quickly. Whereas like everybody tries to avoid making mistakes, but it's yeah. it's not reality in life. It's like actually make them quickly. Mm. Get them out of the way. Mm. Lean like lean heavily into fucking up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking mm. of, I've got to go, boys. I've got to go do a bike ride. Righto. Oh, GB. Good luck for Enjoy. your uh, you keep your chin up, mate, and you your February's almost over. So there's a positive. I like that. February. Yeah. February's the shittest month, but shortest. Yeah. Shittest but shortest. That's Piss it I'm off. Sort of... Start yeah. fresh. March madness. Get around it. Can't wait. <laughs> so we'll chat to you. Well, we'll try to grab you on a rest day at the tour or something. Otherwise. But yeah, um... something like that. Welter. Yeah. Put in your comments before... below who, who you want to stand in for George and pinch hit until we see him surface again. Have you, um, have you? Most importantly, though, this trip on the road. Have you got your Manscaped products with you? Yeah. Good man. <laughs> it's the last right. thing you'd leave behind. Keep on top yeah. of the grooming with the Manscaped lawnmower 4.0. Just a little treat for my masseuses. Yeah. If you forgot it, you can always jump online manscaped.com and order another one. Use the code SDP20. You'll get 20% off free shipping. Get it sent to you anywhere in the world. So if you forgot it, do that. Do they seem to hungry? They seem everywhere, mate. Yeah. All right. 
They're hungry coming up. They're hung- hungry for Manscaped, mate. All the best. See you, boys. So, George Bennett, uh, another question for you, Sam, is mm. now that you've retired, are you very conscious of... The, I don't want to name names because we can all join faces with this, but that bike rider that post-retirement has that fucking 10, 15 keg blowout. Oh. And you get to Christmas and they look at you and they go, and you start talking and they go, and then their face clicks who you are. Like they literally can't recognize it. Mm. What are you trying to do to keep on top of that? I had this like real enlight- enlightening message from a mate the other day when I was at UAE tour. And um, he sent me, we're just chatting away and he goes, oh, what have you been up to? Yeah, you've been doing a bit of running or hitting the gym. And like, I still apologies to that person. I haven't replied to that message yet because it sort of just opened my eyes. I was like, I've been drinking Fantas and eating Snickers. Like, oh, that's not good. It's like, oh, but no, I, it's, I'm very conscious of it. And I'm still trying to find my routine. Like mm. I'm still trying to find my exercise routine. And it's taken a bit of time because when I'm back in Girona, I still like to get out on the bike a bit. And I do like, but I don't ride consistently because I've like, you know, other stuff to do at times. But I'm like, um, I'll go for a ride like a couple of times a week, but I'll just go out and do like four hours and just absolutely fuck myself. Mm. Instead of doing like, I'm sort of thinking like, maybe is it better to do like every Short, day hard, and just do like an hour and a half? Mm. Or is it, so I'm still kind of like, I'm still trying to find my exercise routine. Like I'm not doing a lot of riding. I'm not doing a lot of running. I'm not doing a lot of stuff in the gym. But a combination of those things, I'm do- I feel like I'm doing enough exercise. But I still, I still need to get my routine dialed because I, I, I weigh myself more now than when I was a bike rider. I'm just like, yeah, right. I've found a level and I'm actually staying stable, which is good. Yeah. Um, we actually, when I, I forgot to tell you on the last time we did a show, when we were at after Cadell Evans, I was packing up after Cadell before we flew back to, to Europe and this dude came up to me. He's like, oh, mate, you always love the show. Like, listen, listen, to the, listen to the show. He goes, Mac, you've put a bit of weight on. <laughs> I was like, oh, righto, mate. I don't think I was that bad. But like, no, but I found the same thing because on this show, we give each other so much shit. People feel that they know us. So mm. when they're coming up and talking to us, they're like, well, I can give him shit because he can take it because he gives it to George and Jonesy all the time. But it's always awkward or weird when people give you shit straight off the bat. We love I it. Lo- I love it, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it that people feel like engaged enough in our show that they can come up to us and talk to us. That's what the whole premise of the show was to create that community. Yeah, but like it was still fuck. I was like, but then then it started making me think as well because then it also taken me a bit of time to adapt because like I look at myself and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a little bit, I'm heavier obviously, but I'm like, what the fuck do you expect? Like, I I was doing for the better part of half of my life like between 20 and 30 hours of exercise a week that's not yeah. possible to do when it's not your job like that's I, can't, right. I can't do 20 to 30 hours of exercise a week like i can do maybe seven like that's kind of what i aim for like seven to nine if i can do that that's a and i and I, it got me thinking like you know when you see um people who are like you don't you know you see see, see someone in the street and you're like oh he's a fit he's a fit bloke or she's a fit, fit lady and um they're not professional sports people and they could, I don't know what they do. They could be bankers. They could be working in a restaurant. I don't know what they do, but they they work in a normal nine to five jobs, you know, for lack of a better term. And they're fit. And it make, started making me think, how much exercise do you reckon they do to be that fit? 
So then I was like, what's, what's the balance point to actually be a fit human that isn't paid to do sport? So I'm still trying to like find that balance. And it, 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 I, reckon it, I reckon it's somewhere around that. Like I reckon around it's, 10 hours a week, you're actually 100% is diet. Yeah. 80% is diet. So those people you're talking about, they're, they're fucking so dialed with their diet. Like they're mm-hmm. grain-fed. So when they get up in the morning, they've got a schedule. Like they're not people, anyone that you see that's fit, like you talk about, you go, fucking good rig and professional job. They get up at six. Like they're those people that get up at six, get an hour before work, and then they've almost got their day meticulously planning what they're going to eat. And they red flag shit. Like they don't eat normal chocolate. They're always that 78% bullshit that tastes like fucking tar, charcoal. But their head goes, oh, I'm getting chocolate in a work. They've got all these systems in it, like, you know, 10 at night. They've got to have their chamomile tea and smash the waters throughout the day. They've got it fucking dialed, man. Mm. And that's why the exercise, it's just a bit of a top-up. Whereas blokes like, not you're not in my category just yet, but my <laughs> problem over the years was social drinking. That's mm. where you put on the kegs. Mm. Like, I've cracked the code. When you go and have a session with the boys and you drink six pints or whatever it is, fuck, man, the amount of calories, that's like smashing six Big Macs. Mm. And then the next day you might go, oh, I'll smash out a half-hour run on the off fucking once a month where you actually do that. But you're not going to get the calorie deficit right. It's the social grog that kills you. Mm. So those and- all, those other people that are fit, most of them are fucking boring because they've got no good stories. They yeah, don't drink. You've got to... <laughs> you've got to... <laughs> I'm still trying to find my like at race routine. My in Australia, I wasn't bad, um, but like UAE, I was, a, I was a little bit more slack. So I've got to like I've sort of had a word to myself that you can't be like that. You've got to find your at race exercise routine, and the reality is that means that you need to be out the door, you know, at six in the morning for a run or yeah. at the gym or whatever. And like I did it one one day with Zach Dempster. He was there as well with Ineos, and we went out for a run one morning. And I did I did a couple of runs while I was there, but like what I was finding was I was actually just getting to the, I was actually getting really tired and I was like, got to the point where I was like, okay, tomorrow we, for example, we had a stage where we started in front of the hotel. So we didn't have really much to do. Like until 10 o'clock, we had a riders meeting, 1130, we went across to the start line and the race started at 1230, something like that. Plenty of time in the morning to go and do a run. But I was actually, this was like five days into the race and I was actually really tired, like just mentally tired and i was like i want to do a good job tomorrow in the race i want to be able to make you know fast decisions and accurate decisions and good decisions um, while the race is going on and to do that i need to be like sharp so i was like i'm actually going to sleep a bit longer tomorrow as opposed to getting up and going for the run so i'm still like trying to find the balance of how i do it you know um so now that i've started now that i'm started in europe it'll be interesting to see i think i've think it makes a difference when you haven't got big transfers uae was a real kick in the nuts with the transfers it's like mm. even like 12 30 starts you're leaving the hotel at nine and then yeah. you know I, I like to be have even when we're leaving at nine i like to have two two and a half hours in the morning where i'm preparing you know preparing things even if it's for the next day or just double checking the work that i've done for the for that particular day making sure i haven't made any mistakes all those sorts of things so i, I was still getting up but like at 6, 6.30 for those days to prepare, make sure everything was like, okay, there shouldn't be any fuck-ups today. Everything should go smoothly. But then I was losing the, the half an hour or 45-minute window I need to do a run or go to the gym. So still just trying to find the, the balance, but I'll, I'll get there. 
One guy that has always stayed the same sort of way. Oh, it's two. Like Neil Stevens, he's a fucking freak. Like that guy just mm. meticulously would do 10K runs most days a week, five days a week. Just fucking loves it. And the other thing is, is when you get into the sweet spot, like he's the race weight of a jockey that rides races at Randwick. Um, it, running's fun because you're not carrying like man boobs. You know, when you get to my weight and you try and rip the skin off and go for the first run to get into the system, it's fucking torture. Oh, yeah. So it's almost like the way humans and the world works, it's almost like that test for two or three months to get into that rhythm, which it becomes fun then. But then also, if you're someone that can't keep that routine, when you do finally get fit, you go, oh, I can have a couple of days off, just fucking get on the piss, I can have Maccas or whatever. And then the wheels fall off and you're fucking back to the start. Mm. And that's where I'm at with running. Like I, a few a couple of years ago, when I had that busted wrist, and I was off the bike for like four or five months, all I could do was run. And so I, I had no option but to suffer because I was still a professional bike rider that had to do something. So I sort of suffered through that that phase of like, oh, running is shit. I hate running. This is just this is nothing yeah, fun yeah. about this. And then I broke through that, and I was like, actually, I really enjoy running. I haven't I haven't broken that ceiling yet, so I'm still working on it. Um, but I'll, I'll get, I'm going to go, I might go for a run today. Actually, now I'm starting to get motivated. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm actually motivated as well, but it's 20 past eight. So fuck it. That's stupid. Fuck it's always hard. dodgy. It's always dodgy night runners. Mm. It's always something dodgy when you see someone going for a run at night, but you don't yeah. know if they've just robbed a joint or They're running from something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's not worth it's it. It's even more dodgy when you see a guy running and like, you know, like a nice dress shirt and a pair of loafers or something. You're like, hmm. Mm, he? he's, he's run. He's, he just had, he's, he's, yeah. he, he just had the old like, dad's well, the best, come, come well, over or something. <laughs> well, the best is when you see a young bloke running at 6am with like his gear on just like up a main street. Like that mm. used to happen all the time in sale and you go, ah, he's had an all-nighter. Still yeah. a ghosty. Mm. Good Doing times. The- Run of pride instead of the walk of shame or something like that. I don't know what you call it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it oh, sounds well. like you got it all sorted. What a way to end the show. Yeah. <laughs> it was good to see George. Um, yeah. What do you reckon? A couple of things. Uh, the shirts have almost all sold out, the merch yeah. ones. Are we going to do a new line of shirts and logo, show name? This is something we should have brought up with George, but are we looking to transition? Given that the pandemic's done, mm. no one wants to talk about social distancing anymore. Should we do a rebrand, change the name of the show? I I think we should seriously consider it. I think that, like you say, it's sort of there's a bit of a stigma around social distancing now. Two things is that, and the second thing is, ultimately, if you kind of dissect the show down and find break through the cracks we're a cycling podcast and we need to find a name that's more related to cycling so we are going through the process of thinking about changing the name of the show which will in in turn will create new merch opportunities um you know we'll come up we're gonna we're gonna we're definitely gonna do another run of t-shirts soon um but everything every run of t-shirts we do will be like a special edition essentially so we'll come up with a new catchphrase and yeah once they're sold they're done that's it punch out some new t-shirts um and yeah name change could be an opportunity to create some cool merch as well so let us know what you guys think if you've got any ideas about what we could call the show 
Seattle Souls, the Seattle Souls or something. Blazing Seattle Souls. Blazing Seattle Souls. No, they can't do that. There was another good one that you come up with. Can't remember. Anyway, we'll float those on the next step. Put them yeah. in your comments. Yeah. Yeah. Let's and if know. we get an absolute belter, we'll definitely send you a signed UAE shirt from George Bennett with hashtag fuck February. Mm. Maybe we could call our show something like that. The February cyclist. It's like that's February. that's terrible. That's horrible, eh? <laughs> what about that? the the penny farthings or something? <laughs> Mate, you need to go for a run. That's where you'll get your penny, best ideas. Yeah. Anyway, it was a low bar. Jump over it, folks. Leave yeah. your comment. Um and apologies for the irregular show format, but we are back on track now. So we're back every second Tuesday. Yeah. From now. Perfect. And uh, as you said to George, get on uh, manscaped.com, use mm. the code SDP20. You still get 20% off bills. That's it. And free shipping. Enjoy it. Like, share, subscribe, everybody. Thanks for listening. Mm.